listening to Scarif Bay Community Radio and you're very welcome back to Exploring Seed Savers. My name is Jim Collins and I am here today in Irish Seed Savers and I'm with Killian Boyd. Killian, first of all, you're very welcome. Uh, thanks very much, Jim. Thank you. Killian, uh, by profession, you're an artist that's, and an art teacher. That's right, yeah. Yes. So, uh, how, how have you ended up working at Seed Savers? <laughs> well, I've actually um, been interested in apples since, since I was a child. And um, I suppose I started out as maybe ro- even robbing apples and chasing apples as a no. child. No. I can always remember Beauty of Bat. I can remember robbing it at a very young age. Then, um, when I was about 13, 14, I got to meet Tommy, Tommy Anita and Anita Hayes because... I used to come up to um, open days um, and I'd often bring apples along with me to try to identify them. That's here to Seed Savers? Yeah. yeah. And, um, well, I got to know Tommy through my parents because um, my whole family is, is involved in playing music. I, I play flute myself. Yeah. And my mum is Geraldine Cotter. So she's a good friend, good friends with Tommy. Yes. Where, where, and my father, what John. Of, what part of the world are you from? Uh, well, I'm actually from... Um, Inch Kilmele. Uh, well, I, I live between Inch and Kilnamona. It's just on the border. But, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm from outside Ennis, so I'm not a, I'm not a townie. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so I, I got to know Tommy and Anita Hayes through, through my family and playing music. Um, and then I came along to a grafting course when I was about 14 and I met Cormac Griffith. And I, I got a grafting knife that day and I, I grafted a couple of varieties. And um, since then, since that age, I've always been involved in collecting different varieties of apple as well as grafting them. And um, What brought about your fascination, um, your interest in apples and apple varieties? Well, interesting enough, um, Ennis is an old town and... Um, uh, around that time, when I was thirteen, fourteen, um, I began to identify uh, the apples that grew in in around old houses, as well as maybe say Ennis Abbey, Clown Road House, Bindon Street, those few places. And I, um, the first apple I ever grafted was from Glore. Um, uh, when they, when they built Glore, um, uh, the back of Glore had a couple of old houses and apple trees. Um, you know, a lovely big green apple and two lar- very, very large cooking apples. And I managed to graft one at the time. Uh, then a couple of months later, they built a road um, from Francis Street, um, uh, like a, a junction to to drive through to Glore. But they knocked two of the trees down and all that survived was um, the green cooking apple. So I said I had to graft it. Um, so I took I remember I took cuttings off it at the time and um, I brought it home to my parents place and I grafted it about March and I remember using sellotape because at a young age I I didn't have um, 
you know you kind of use everything you can find and i i also use probably plastic bags on various occasions Mm. as well and then wax but this variety um it's it's still growing today at home in my parents' place, and um, I managed to identify it at the time as Eklinville seedling, uh, an Asia virus variety. How would you identify it? Oh, by um, appearance. There is a couple of features. Um, later on, I can I can explain a bit about identifying apples. Um, but I managed to identify the apple, and fortunately, I had grafted it. Um, so I felt at the time. I had to find out what varieties grow in around Ennis and Clare of the very old trees and uh, graft them um, and identify them if possible. And often ones that I, I'd identify, I wouldn't graft. You know, if I knew Seasarers have it, I wouldn't graft it, you know, unless I liked it. But apart from that, anything I couldn't identify, I have a particular tree at home that I graft onto. Um, Will you just explain maybe to our listeners uh, briefly, the, what, what is grafting? Okay, so grafting is basically where you take young growth from uh, one particular tree. Uh, you take the young growth because you want to, say, grow the apple on. Uh, so it's a, it's a clone, more or less, of a parent tree. So this tree here now is Gibbons Russet, so... That's about maybe a foot, maybe nine, twelve inches of, of growth. Of this year's growth. Yeah. yeah. So in springtime, uh, maybe February, you can take a cutting of that and you get a root stock. Um, Is there any special way you will cut that off now? Uh, well, secateurs and you cut above a bud at a slight uh, angle, yeah. just a, a clean cut. You have to make sure the secateurs are sterilised because you can easily spread disease. So I'd take a selection of cuttings from the tree. Um, I would put them into, you know, I'd wrap them. I'd tie them up, I mean. I'd label them and I might put them into, say, damp compost uh, for a couple of weeks. And then um, I'd either get a root stock, maybe an M106 or an M26. Uh, M106 is the largest well, it's kind of the largest one that we usually sell here in Sea Savers. Um, so what is a rootstock? So rootstock is, um, it's a specific, um, I suppose, variety of apple that's used to control the height and vigour of a tree. Because um, if you, say before rootstocks, you had seedling, just planted crab apples and then they used to graft onto it, but you couldn't control uh, the height and vigour of the tree. Whereas an M106 will grow to definite height, uh, and it's controllable. Like, so then an M, so M106 is generally uh, the size of our, our large trees that we've grafted over the years. Um, so you you graft it, you attach it to the the root, yeah. of of, uh, of of the root of another tree. Well, it's really. not the root; it's more the um, it's it's like a say it's um. It's like a, a, a two-year-old branch. It's called um, a stalk. Uh, so the scion is the top part. Yes. Uh, say the the parent. It's the variety that you want to grow is called is the scion. Yeah. And then it's grafted onto rootstock. So you think about it's like a marriage between a rootstock and a variety. Yeah. So you make a similar cut at an you angle do, yeah. in the, it's like in a, the root. It's an ang- it's an angled cut. 
like with your knife, you cut it in one go. Like you, you take it and you go. You do this movement where you you cut kind of a clean cut. Yeah. So you correspond them, and then you cut a little kind of what's called a tongue, um, and then you join them, and then you you wrap them. Usually, you could traditionally people use raffia, and then wax. But now we we have um, plastic type of um, tape which keeps out moisture. Uh, no, sorry, keeps moisture in, and it keeps out rain, and it stops the cutting drying out. So basically, you're, what that does is create a callus between the rootstock and the variety. So actually, in springtime, we do grafting courses with uh, Cormac Griffith, and um, generally, you know, um, supporters can often bring along a variety, an old variety they might have at home that they'd like to graft, uh, maybe a special tree that's been in the family for 100 years and you know people might be worried about the tree dying but the thing is if you it's very important to actually even learn these techniques of grafting because as a tradition uh, it goes back a very long time Um, but that's something that's that's very popular in springtime we have the grafting courses so you can usually you bring along a couple of your own cuttings you'd like to graft as well as varieties we have here so you you know you graft the tree and bring it home with you. So the two pieces will fuse together. They do, yeah. yeah. It's a callus. They create and, a callus. And when this tree grows, then the am I right in thinking that the the apple tree that results will be the cutting? Yeah, not the root. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's basically clonal propagation, cloning a parent tree. So say take Bramley. The original Bramley it was from about maybe 1806 from a particular garden in Nottingham in England and um, so that was clonally propagated and became say commercially successful but so all the Bramleys that we see around here around the old houses clonally that goes back to one tree over in England you know 200 years ago and that tree actually died or is dying now at the moment the original tree and the thought that it's there's plenty of offspring yeah 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 so you could you can do that with any of the trees we have. So I suppose when I got into collecting apples, the thing I realised was um, all these old dead and dying trees um, had to be saved. And I suppose at a, at a young age you might have uh, overactive imagination, but I, I felt like, um, you know, if if I didn't do it... Um, uh, who else would? Well, I like I. I always admired everything sea savers did, and that's really what inspired me to actually go and collect the trees. Because when um, when I was told the stories, even how, say, Tommy collected uh, the green chisel in in Tyrone. Um, that's a variety of apple tree, is it? Yeah, it's yeah. from Tyrone, and Tommy came across a very old um, sample of it, and he, and he grafted it. But I believe only one tree survived at the time, but. Um, it became part of the collection, yeah. uh, but but Tommy, uh, Tommy will tell tell you that story uh, himself. Yeah. There is a couple of great twists in the story. I, I wouldn't want to, no, to ruin we'll, it for anyone. He, we'll talk he, to Tommy again. He's a man to tell that story. Tell us, you you, we stopped here. We're in Pather's Orchard, yeah, in uh, Irish Seed Savers, and you stopped beside a particular tree. Um, well, one tree I, I I thought of that I'd love to actually tell a story about. Um, it's called Irish Pitcher. Uh, this tree here next to us is Gibbons Russet. Um, 
I brought you to this because I'd like to, in a while, I, I give you a taste of it and I can describe how um, the flavour of an apple can change day to day. And even um, depending on the sun, if, say, there was frost, if there's dew in the air, um, the flavour of an apple can change every couple of days. But um, one particular variety that I'd, I'd love to talk about is called Irish Pitcher. Um, and also Valley Vaughan Seedling. There are two apples I'd love to talk about. Um, so Irish Pitcher is a, an apple that grows on its own roots. It's up in Tommy's self-rooting orchard. And um, a couple of years ago when I was when I set out surveying orchards, down around Six Mile Bridge I came across a very old sample, an absolutely massive tree on its own roots. And I, I saw the fruit in it and it was Irish Pitcher. It was a, it was an original sample of Irish pitcher, and um, I spoke to the man um, in an old house next to it, and um, even it makes an interesting story of of, of how I found it because um, it's probably the most amazing tree, most productive tree I've ever seen, um, and the apples were massive, so I took some and I stored them in in hay, with straw actually, and. Um, the apples preserved very well and, and, they, and they became great eating apples. Um, but what I even do now is I say I go to that original tree and I take cuttings from it and I give it to, to friends and family. Um, but that's an example of a tree that is that has such history. Hmm. Um, and has big apples and lots of them. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's disease resistant. Um, so it is... Um, Okay. It's it's a very interesting app because it it it's nearly growing wild, um, but I can I can probably uh, tell a bit of a story about it. Sure, maybe we'll we move, might maybe move see up it later along on. The orchard yeah, yeah. And, and now from Pother's Orchard and we're in a, a sort of an open clearing I suppose looking at another orchard and we're kind of at the top of the hill Yeah. Where are we? This is called Ullordna Heron or um, the Orchard of Ireland and it's also called um, the M9 Orchard um, everything's on M9 rootstocks and it's it's a collection of um, it's say our heritage collection is used for um, uh, it's a, it's kind of conservation study orchard because we're looking at say flowering times, uh, fruiting times for uh, for apples as well as um, um, you know collecting data, yeah. and it's quite interesting because it's it's replicated in in UCD as well as Lockall, um, and and the varieties are are planted uh, alphabetically. Uh, so we have, say, April Queen right through to uh, Strippy and, yeah. and Turkey Willoughby. And um, so so we bring people up here for the tasting tours. Um, so so all the apples in this orchard now, it's, it's a conservation orchard, really. Um, 
So these are apples which, as you said, they're all on the... the the, the same dwarfing rootstock. rootstock. Yeah. But there would be apples that would have been collected or, or uh, trees. That's right, yeah. That samples that would have been collected yeah, it's, right around the country. Yeah, mainly from uh, Dr. Keith Lamb, uh, Padre McNeese, as well as stuff that Tommy and Anita Hayes collected, especially from um, Charlie Robinson from Cavan. Yes. We have quite a few Cavan varieties, like, you know, Cavan Rose, Cavan Strawberry. Yes. Um... And the the north of the country seems to be, isn't is it Armagh? Is the the apple county? That's right. It's the orchard 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 county. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, there's a there are a lot of varieties which originate. in, yeah, in we, the north. Of we have great varieties here, like uh, Kemp, which was a commercial cooking app. Sorry, commercial eating apple in the fifties and sixties. Many people still have great stories about it. Uh, Dockney, which is a fantastic eating apple. One of the best I've had. It has great commercial potential as well, and it's it's not grown. Well, some of these varieties have such great history that's um, not that it's discarded, but it's it's and people it's that it's just kind of reconnecting with that because these varieties have such great history, yeah. and I suppose, I suppose it, would reconnecting they, with would there be varieties. Uh, I imagine that would have been popular at one time yeah. and then fall out of favour for one reason or another. Yeah, that's actually quite interesting. Um, um, and that overlaps with history because, say, the commercialisation and, in, I suppose, industrial industrialisation of agriculture um, brought great transformation, um, especially when it came to, to growing apples because historically apples were, were often grown within a region hmm. um, say like Kilkenny would have Kilkenny Tipperary Waterford Cork and um, say around Armagh as well they would have been traditional apple producing areas but say during the 1960s and 1970s um, with commercialisation and large scale apple production a lot of varieties wouldn't have been suitable to grow on a large scale mm. whereas historically a lot of varieties developed that were suited to a particular locality to the weather conditions mm. soil um, and of course if you go into a supermarket the apples could come from anywhere yeah. I mean they're they're not necessarily Irish apples or yeah. maybe Irish apples are a minority in some supermarkets but they would be commercially grown um, in anywhere yeah, but even a lot of varieties that are grown here in Ireland, um, you know, on a local level, they're actually not native. They're, the varieties themselves would be, um, say, Katie is a variety from Sweden originally. Um, Discovery is an English variety from the 1950s. You know, great varieties, but I, I can imagine if it'd be great if someone could even trial some of these as potential commercial apples mm. um, but the way I think it would it would be very successful is if people can supply say a small local community between the um, cafes restaurants and um, you know maybe door to door giving boxes of apples to people um, there's great potential but say even looking at some of these varieties we have um, Appletown Wonder that's a lovely large green apple. 
that's a fantastic story as well. Um, Appletown is the name of a townland in, in West Limerick. Um, and back in the 90s, a group of students from Drum Carter College collected samples from an old tree. But fortunately, they got it in time because it, the tree later died. So all these varieties have such... Um, they, they all have individual stories. So um, a Her and Beauty, um, that is... I think it's uh, Mayor de Menage. It, it, it's, it would have been, say, promoted uh, in Cork as a local variety at the time. Uh, it, it, it matched um, Mayor de Menage in DNA testing, but it's known, it has been known in Ireland as a Hearn Beauty for a long time. Then we have Ard Karen Russet in front of us, one of the greatest eating apples you'll, you'll ever have. Um, Cantagric Blossom, Turkey Willoughby. So all these varieties have great history. And the amazing thing is as well, the flavour of them can change from week to week because apples are always seasonal so you you, you taste them and eat them in, in succession uh, historically apples would have had to last people 10 months of the year hmm. so because there weren't any well I don't know you can't put an apple in a freezer but yeah. they, they had to they only lasted while the, the, while they were in storage yeah that's basically well the early apples you eat straight off the tree and then the mid-season, you can eat them over a space of two weeks, maybe. And you just, you know, you pick a few off the tree, what you need. And then late apples, uh, you can store. Um, and, th- th- say, the later apples, like russets and um, very late russets, you can store up until April and May. Hmm. Um, well... What you're describing, you know, it just strikes me. It seems at odds with, let's say, a commercial growing. When you go into a supermarket, irrespective nearly of what month you go in, uh, you get the, you get particular varieties of apples, um, and they're all the same size, yeah. and they're all the same color, and there are no blemishes or anything in them, um, yeah. and and they're available. I suppose twelve months of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas this would—that's th- certainly at odds with, you know, h- how you describe the traditional way of harvesting and eating apples. Yeah, um, and what's that's very important as well because if people realise the flavours and variety diversity, um, it can really help people say reconnect with um, the history. Say, for example, the nice thing about. Irish peach and beauty bat is you you get to taste it in July and August but once the apple has finished producing you have to wait 12 months to actually experience that, that taste again yes so uh, I know that I have to wait till next next August till I have Irish peach again um, and talking about storing apples one interesting thing I started doing was um, well I've been doing a couple of years storing apples in straw because I remember when I was growing up, my grandfather told me that they had green apples and um, different apples at home in their farm. And he used to put apples into hay yes. to, to sweeten them for Christmas. And I, I don't know, did he put a, would his family have put a couple into straw or did they actually store apples? But um, I said, I thought I'd try it one time. And I put them into hay anyways and, and the flavour totally changed. Um, a lot of the um, kind of green green apples became yellow and sweet 
and uh, we actually do it here now um, up in up in the blue building uh, we store a lot of apples in, in in straw and we did it for the tasting tours and it's it's been um, very popular with people now I know, I know you you mentioned when you were in studio recently that that apples have a different taste, perhaps at different times of the day, or depending on the weather, yeah. or, or you know, or the, the obviously the you mentioned or the age and the storage yeah. time of the apple. Well, yeah, two things. What um, say? Um, I'm kind of getting confused now. I, I was thinking of two things. Um, um, yeah, yeah, the flavour. The flavours of apples can range from strawberries and berries, say, in early apples, right through to um, melon, pear, nutty flavours. Um, you know, you have a lot of kind of almond-flavoured apples. You might have um, walnuts. Um, it's it, That's very exciting because, say, the Victorians used to really cherish apples for the variety of flavour. Um, um, say some of the apples as well are extremely beautiful to look at very aesthetically um, as if they could have been created by an artist hmm. you know um, we we seem to have lost that then uh, in, in the general particularly with commercial apple production yeah yeah and um, the taste is the same no matter when you buy the apple yeah and, and it looks the same and that's that makes for very a very kind of bland type of I suppose that's that's eating an apple that's not actually experiencing an apple do you know mm. like that's maybe that's the difference between food and nourishment um, because say if you think about it um, say an orchard like this now those those trees take all the nutrition from the ground it goes into the apple so the apple is nearly the flavour and nutrition of of the environment in the ground in, in eating form you take that in and, and your body absorbs that and in that sense you become part of 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 your of your landscape yes. because it's the cycle of uh, life um but and tell uh, me you mentioned you mentioned the storage there and and the the way you can put it and i think your your dad used to do it my grandfather or your grandfather to, yeah. in terms of in putting it in hay or straw yeah what what kind of storage times you know are possible or would be normal well i actually did a, a bit of experimentation um initially i i remember i had a cardboard box and i put hay and i put the apples in into shed and then they went mouldy. So I said, okay, I have to try something different. So I got uh, wooden crates and I put straw in, like straw as opposed to hay because hay goes mouldy. So I got straw and I placed the apples, like you can imagine a dice, like I placed them one, two, three, four, five, six, like little rows of them. Not, not touching one another. Yeah, not touching, yeah, mm. yeah. And um, it works well for some apples and other apples they just go soft or ripen too quickly uh, and you'd never believe the flavour and the difference so we, so we put Miss, Miss Perry in into straw and it, the fine flavours that develop it's, it's um, something else Yes. so I actually store them in straw now uh, but you can also say wrap them in newsprint and then put them into straw because the straw will or 
put a bit of straw in with the newsprint, then wrap the apple because the basically the the straw ripens the apple, and um, an apple is usually the flavour is actually balanced between acid and sweetness, and in storage it can lose up to fifty percent of its acid, and then the flavour really kind of balances. Um, okay. So the the, the flavour profile of apples can range from berries through to melon, pineapple, pear, nutty flavours. So absolutely every apple the flavours are so so different and then one particular apple you'd nearly need a year or a season let's say to actually fully fully get to know the taste of it um, because each apple can change uh, over t- the taste can change yeah, over time yeah so people will always, especially in the tasting tours um, you'll always find an apple that you like yeah. uh, but even some apples I had initially dismissed uh a fantastic one I'm doing a bit of kind of uh, uh, experimentation on the moment is hearty uh, it's a lovely roasted eating apple it's up in Tommy's self-rooting orchard which we might uh, see in a while um, That it's a lovely it's one of the most beautiful apples you ever see and it's it looks like Art Karen Russet um, but if you eat it off the tree in September early September it's very unappealing it's like um kind of like old hard cheese and, and, and you'd easily dismiss it but uh, I've been keeping an eye on the tree because I'm um, I'm I, I've great belief in it um, as a variety so I ate a couple of windfalls and they began to sweeten so I took a couple put them into straw um, for a week or two then I tasted them and, and they taste really nice yes uh, like um Early pineapple taste, but which you suggest the the acid element in yeah, it yeah. would have decreased. Yeah. So then, I'm going to leave a couple on the tree, and then I'll pick them later on, and I'll make notes notes of the date I picked them, hmm. and then I'll put them into storage, and I'll I might taste one after a week, and I'll make a note in my in my notebook. Yeah. Uh, so, say that's a particular variety now that it's a native variety collected up in Flagmount uh, from a very old house. Um, from a man I think Brendan Harty is, is his name um, it's a variety that T- Tommy Hayes collected and it was a very very big old tree the original tree has fallen now um, but say a variety like that that you could easily dismiss has um, you know so much uniqueness hmm. um, and possibilities as well particularly oh yeah, yeah. For, for taste and, yeah. and time tell me can I go back to yourself uh, a few years ago, you found yourself in college training, uh, doing art training to be an art teacher. That's right, yeah, yeah. And uh, how come you've ended up in Irish Seeds? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, um, I, I'm delighted. Um, I, I was welcomed here. So um, I studied painting in college, painting and drawing. And then um, I'm a teacher as well. Um, so actually, I suppose at the, cent- at the core of it is really kind of uh, I like to be creative and um, creativity is um, can be very exciting because it's also um, uh, you know it's 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 elusive uh, creativity can just you might get ideas but anyways um, so I studied painting and drawing in college and a lot of what I do is drawing from life um, say using a sketchbook um, so I, I document a lot through, through drawing. Um, so I set out initially um, 
drawing old old apatries in in orchards that I that he would have gotten grafts from and getting to know old trees and then I thought to myself, okay, um, someone has to document these. Um, well, it's nearly a continuation from the great work that um, Tommy and Anita have been doing with documenting orchards. So I said, I'd make, I'd like to make that my my art practice. So m- my art practice has became documenting orchards. So when I was in college, I started doing that, you know, photographing trees, drawing trees, mapping the orchards identifying the varieties and even illustrating some, say, new ones. And ones I couldn't identify, I'd usually graft and label at home. Um, so that became um, my art project, uh, documentation and serving old orchards. Um, so when I was in college then, I I was fascinated by um, the cockatoo apple because um, sea savers, in their collection, they had a variety called um, uh, Barons Kakagi, um, or Kakagi, um, which they collected in New Park House near Ennis. And when I was serving the old orchards, I, I recognised the variety. So I, I always assumed it was, uh, I always assumed it was a Kakagi. Um, say I saw it growing in Clan Road House, um, the tree still surviving actually, a Barons Kakagi. But then when seed savers did their DNA testing in. 2014 and 2015 um, it matched an old variety called Keswick Codden which we have down in Padders Orchard and then I suppose I realised that there's this this variety that's presumed to be extinct um, has to survive because if you consider how old last trees are um, and, and they survive more than 200 years I said I had to you know I'd like to at, at the time, I, I told myself, okay, I have to, uh, I'd like to devote myself to really cataloguing a lot of the old varieties that are still alive, are, are trees still surviving from, from the 19th century. So I went back looking at the 18, 1840s maps to find original orchards because when they mapped Ireland, they actually mapped it, they mapped every field and, um, even in places, large trees, and they mapped the orchards as well as the walled gardens. Yes. And so I started serving the maps initially in the library as a child, like Ennis Library. They they had the big, massive books of maps, you know, A1 size mm. bound. That gives you a great base to work from. It, it is, yeah, yeah, because I used to always go into the library in Ennis serving the maps. Uh, so then a couple of years ago, they digitised the maps online. Uh, Geohive it is, it's the Ordnance Survey Ireland uh, online map but the great thing is it actually they they published the maps from the famine or the 1840s maps um, then the 1880s maps 1920s maps and then sa- current satellite imagery so they they have satellite, satellite imagery from say the ni- 1990s early 2000s and most recent um, so you have nearly about 180 years of of maps you can you can look at so initially what I did was I looked like I still do it now I, I take a region say East Clare for example and I look at the 1840s maps and I'll make notes of the townlands which had orchards and, and I can zoom in and I can see particular fields as well as walled gardens and then I I 
say I take the 1840 map and I have okay trees existed say for example um, um, yeah you might take a place and then you make a note of it and then I'll compare it against the um, 1880s maps and trees might be surviving okay that's a good sign then uh, trees might survive in the 1990s map okay that's good but then you get to 2005 trees gone oh yes so that's happened yeah. to me actually in West Clare uh, a couple of places near um, Kilrush um, and then also um, some places near Crosheen I've, I've seen very old trees on maps from the famine times and then the trees would have been destroyed sometime in the early 2000s but the thing I realised actually um, and it's quite tragic is um, quite and, and Jeremy would have had this experience as well as well as you know um, anyone collecting apples and sea savers Tommy and Anita would um, feel the same as well is um, sometimes you you might find an old tree that's very very old but you have to prune it before you can get graft wood off it but meanwhile the tree um, might get cut down you know say if you came back the following year um, that happened actually at Bindon Street in Ennis yes. this is a funny story um, at Bindon Street in Ennis um, there used to be this very old apple a, li- a little kind of yellow uh, apple a nice eating apple and I got graft wood off it about 3-4 inches of a cutting um, maybe 6 years ago and I, I pruned the tree and I fed it because I had to go back the following spring to get cuttings off it uh, to graft properly. But what happened was um, the tree got cut down uh, and I didn't manage to get cuttings but I, I had a couple of inches of a cutting and I, I still have it grafted at home on a tree. But that's happened in quite a few places I've been to and um, it's just because I got a cutting from a tree in time. Just in time. Uh, yeah. But often as well I've I've collected varieties in the past that I wouldn't have identified at the time the tree would get cut down but I did I identified later on and once you, once you have it you have it yeah 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 but so, it's, it just seems you know you have you have very successfully married your your career path and and your skill as an artist and as an art teacher to your passion which is obviously apple trees yeah, and um, I suppose I try to kind of keep an open mind as well in terms of um, the overlap between, I uh, say, art practice and um, in terms of how to kind of... Uh, it just, you know, you take ins- I, I take inspiration from everyone I meet and, I, and we've had lots of great visitors to Sea Savers and I started end of July and I've met some great people, like, say, Steve Marsh... I, um, up in that loan he's done incredible work over the years and donated a lot to the collection um, and um, you know getting to know Tommy and Nisha Hayes as well has been very inspirational and you've you've visited here um, from a relatively young age I and, have yeah and you've known this place existed it must have been an ambition of yours to uh, to get to here and Actually, to well, and, and to get work I here I suppose I, I would have um I, I, I would have talked about this a lot over the years but I kind of um, I was always kind of doing something else you know and I suppose it, it was a kind of obvious thing and it just didn't I didn't realise at the time because I'm involved in lots of different things like you know teaching playing music 
I've I've a lot of interests, but I always felt whatever I did, I had to keep grafting and collecting apple varieties. And and I I suppose a while back as well, although I didn't kind of see a career path in it because you know um, I didn't um, see I didn't kind of know how to go about it really. But I just said it, it was very important to be involved in conservation I, myself in my spare time so so a lot of my 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 art practice became about collecting apple mm. varieties and I said that you know I'd make it my I, I always took it very seriously um, mm. and I it's su- very and su- valuable to collect all the varieties you know I suppose you'll have to wait and see where your career path takes <laughs> you in terms of uh as you have been doing, combining uh, art and apples. And you mentioned to me off-air before we started that uh, you find this a very pleasant place to work. Oh, I do, yeah. Um, um, it's, say, everyone I've met here is um, a specialist in in their field of, um, say, knowledge. Um, say, um, you know, say the garden team... Um, uh, everyone specialises in something in particular, you know, between say seed saving, uh, soil biology, conservation, seed conservation. Um, then, in the orchard, we have, um, you know, we have Mike Feeney, uh, Cormac Griffith, uh, involved in grafting, and um, Jeremy Tarkington as well. In, in <coughs> our manager, the orchard manager, he he has um, he's he has a similar experience to myself. Um, out collecting uh, very old trees um, just managing to collect them in time so it's actually uh, it's great inspiration to to collaborate and work with uh, with the whole orchard team yeah it's it's um, very satisfying yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, Killian, I suppose as we come towards the end of the chat, uh, and we're still here in the Ullard uh, Hairn, as uh, you described, um, where would you like to see, uh, as, as someone who's very passionate about um, about the conservation of apple trees, where would you like to see the the, the whole thing go? Well, uh, I like to think of it maybe as a cycle of returning to. The traditions that, uh, that that we used to have, say, um, although, say, apple production has become large and commercial, it doesn't have to be that way. It can be, say, growers can uh, supply apples at a local level. Uh, that will also kind of help people reconnect to particular varieties. Um, so we actually don't have to compete with large commercial orchards. It can be sufficient on a local level. Um, so what I would like is maybe for more people to actually learn how to graft a variety, maybe plant more apple trees, and also, um, also it's very important that whatever varieties used to grow in their area, that people, um, you know, can can say propagate that original variety and, and use it. So presumably information about what apple trees, for example, would be grown here in East Clare yeah, that's very is, is available at Irish Seed Savers. Well, one thing I'm, I do a lot of myself is um, 
identification because I've been identifying apples uh, since I was very young. Um, so, say a lot of surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, a lot of what I see going out visiting old orchards as well as people showing me apples would be nearly 50% of the time it's Bramley's as well as old Victorian varieties of cooking apples. But, say, the most exciting thing is you'd find and come across uh, some very old samples of apples you can't identify and are ones that are often unique. So, um, most importantly, you know, never cut an old apple tree down if you don't know what a variety is. Um, say, sometimes, I'd like to see what we do here in Sea Savers. I'd like a lot more people to become involved in it to the point that... Um, People can, people will have the knowledge of how to graft trees. Um, so I, I love if, 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 say, if, if even young kids in schools or you know teenagers, maybe even people in college, actually start surveying old orchards, uh, finding out what grows in in their region. Maybe someone might even do a little project. Imagine the area from here, Scarf down to Limerick, up Tennis. Imagine that area if, if. Um, and do you think there uh, are project, orchards? in existence now which haven't been surveyed which oh have... there is an awful lot because I, I spent maybe the past five six years I'd I'd survey say um, with the old 1840s maps I'd take a region like a townland even and I'd zoom in make notes compare it to satellite imagery um, but actually when quite a few places I visited in the process of say going to one orchard you might find an old apple tree behind a house, like say the Irish picture I came across down in Six, Six Mile Bridge, a most amazing, very old tree, uh, as well as maybe um, all the Valley Vaughan seeding trees that grow up around, you know, uh, Glenina, Fenor, um, up around Valley Vaughan as well, down to the barn. So, say in the process of going to surveying old orchards, you come across other trees, and that's the exciting thing. But I suppose the thing about it is um, in terms of vision like we've actually gone full we've nearly gone full circle now where say the original traditions that we had in the 19th century early 20th century they survived until maybe Dr. Keith Lamb came along just in time before commercialisation then 1970s and grubbing of orchards so we've came back to the say a circle where we're reconnecting with our heritage but alongside that the most tragic thing is trees are still being cut down very old trees without having been uh, yeah. copied or cloned yeah yeah Tell, i know you have um, a, a great interest in uh, dna and uh, yeah, recording actually, the dna um, of uh, why is that important well the thing is um say genetic diversity um say every tree is so unique and especially old trees they've adapted to their local conditions over maybe centuries um and it yeah it's 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 nearly the history that's contained within within a tree and although um an old tree might be say um uh you know, it might be an old cooking apple and it's easy to dismiss it, but um, it's, it's important to identify it. So basically what we 
a project we've been involved in actually since uh, about 2014, I believe, is the DNA testing of everything in this collection. Uh, you know, so that it ma- so that all the trees are uh, what they're ca- catalogued to be. Yes. So, like, um, that the varieties we have, say, from Dr. Keith Lamb, are say are, are those varieties exact, um, rather than something that would have been um, maybe similar looking, but maybe not not same. And, and the DNA uh, test will will show exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So all the apples in this collection are actually, um, they have a reference code on them, like say, R O, twenty. That's research, research orchard, uh, three twenty. So we have actually a database where we can go on and we can see what variety that is. And um, so everything here has been catalogued, um, and and uh, recorded. So the scheme we have it's called GRGAS, Genetic Resor- Resources Grant Aid Scheme, and it's a uh, a government-backed uh, funding, uh, and the past two years, three years, we've actually we expanded that to say studying uh, historical orchards. So last year, we took landed estates, old ecclesiastical sites, say including um, a Franciscan monastery up in Ackle Island, as well as um, we took Dunsany Castle, we took uh, Burr. Uh, Bar Castle, I mean, and um, Bantry House. So they're old um, Victorian nineteenth uh, century uh, landed estates, and um, so we got those DNA tested because of the age of the trees were, um, you know, they would be at the very end of their their life cycle, and to identify those, uh, we received funding from the government, uh, the Genetic Resources Grant Aid Scheme. Um, so we've reapplied for that for next year again uh, and what we're going to be really focusing on is a lot of the very old um, maybe trees that might be in, in isolated areas ones that especially ones that have survived from maybe around the time of the famine mid 19th century because often some trees that are around 100 years old would be you know Bramleys and stuff so what I like to do myself is um you know, before I get a DNA test to try to identify it. And um, most of the time you, you, you would identify it from looking at it. I suppose you would be also be interested in, and and the, the centre here at Irish Seed Savers would be interested in, if somebody, if any of our listeners have an old orchard at oh, the back of a yeah, house yeah. That, that no one has ever looked at. Oh, that's very important because um, what I'm doing at the moment now is I'm actually cataloguing List, I'm cataloging different orchards that I'll hopefully get to visit at some stage uh, but at least I can create a record of what's there and it's great because the people who've contacted me are so interested in saving the trees between you know grafting them as well as you know photographing the varieties because uh, I, I like to help people identify the variety through maybe photographs but you know if, if, if people can learn to graft the tree themselves and plant a young one then the tree is safe Although we we mightn't get to identify it for a few years, um, but at least you'd have it. Yeah, yeah. In in the meantime, like I, I have an email address myself. It's um, Killian at IrishSeedSavers.ie. You can also um, spelling Killian now. C i double l i a n. Grand. Um, you can also, you know, um, contact us through the shop, 
but at this time of year now it's mainly I'd encourage people to maybe photograph the varieties of apples you have try to map out the orchard maybe you know draw a square for the field number the trees like one two three four five however many trees and then maybe come along to the grafting course in springtime take a few cuttings with you um so i think if there's more people involved in conservation and collecting varieties then it's going to be safe more more trees will be saved yeah yeah because it's it's only a small percentage of the old trees that are unique so it's um my usual strategy is um i try to identify the variety if it's an old tree i'd always encourage people to graft it anyways because obviously a tree has lived so long um and then if I can't identify it, it's good to get your DNA mm. tested. And um, in the meantime, yeah, I'd love if I'd be delighted for anyone who, you know, sends me photographs. Um, or I imagine there's, I know there's a lot of people listening who have knowledge of old trees, um, you know, in the Scariff area, uh, over to Tulla and down to maybe Bradford, that that region, because there's a lot of very old farmhouses and cottages. Um, and people will even have great stories as well. So overall, like um, the most important thing about conservation is survival. Yes. That's a quotation I got from a man who visited recently. Many thanks. Uh, thanks very Killian much, Jim, and it's for, a pleasure. For uh, thanks on for the opportunity. Yeah. Cheers, thank you. We're delighted. And please, God, uh, we'll talk again. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be chat again. And uh, thanks for your time. And I hope everyone listening um, has enjoyed it. 